I thought we were over the summertime blues. I really did. The Hausermans are back from Germany. But do you see them here this morning? No. You wonder what's going on there. <laughs> but it is. We'll get through this summer. So hang in there. We're in Judges chapter 6 this morning. Uh, we're looking at Gideon. God has sent a prophet to Israel and to Gideon. And he's told them what's going to happen. And then Jesus, as the angel of the Lord, he has appeared to Gideon. And Gideon has questions. He has questions for the angel of the Lord or for Jesus himself. And I think we've all had questions at different times in our life. So Judges chapter 6, we'll, we're going to do a, a lengthy reading here, verse 13 through 35. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is, it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring my, out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went and he rep uh, prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour, which is a half bushel, by the way. The meat he put in a basket and he put broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terabith tree and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat out of the and the unleavened bread, and lay them on a rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire arose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called, called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Everzites. Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and a, 
and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it at night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then he, the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that is beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead for, against him because he has torn down his altar. Then the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, of the, and the Abazites gathered behind him. And he sent forth messengers throughout Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent out messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Quite the scene there. Verse 13, If the Lord is with us, where are all of his miracles? And then Gideon has a conclusion. The Lord has forsaken us. And he's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Gideon asks a question that is coupled with an accusation against God. Now we see the mercy and the graceful side of Jesus as it comes forth. Understand that Jesus is God and God will not allow a man to question his deity. This is one of those times where it's good for me that I don't even have the slightest power of God, much less being all-powerful like Jesus. For if Gideon would have said that to me and I were God, he would have been toast. That's it. His life would have been over. You want to see a miracle, Gideon? Sizzle like bacon. <laughs> that's cooking. But that's me. But, I, you know, I'm not alone. There's others in Scripture that when their authority is challenged, they take offense to it. Remember Gabriel when he sent to Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, the husband of Elizabeth? Gabriel appears to Zacharias as he burns incense in the temple at, at Jerusalem. And in Luke 1, 12 through 22, 
Let me just read that little passage for you. And when Zacharias saw him, Gabriel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel... Uh, turn many of the children of Israel, and I lost my place here, I'll find it, to their God. Found it. <laughs> he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you glad tidings. But behold, here it is, you will be mute. <laughs> you will not be able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Gabriel, an angel, answers Zacharias after his question of, how shall I know this? Listen up, Zacharias. You will be mute. <laughs> you will not be able to speak until the day that all of this that I said takes place. Gabriel will not allow Zachariah to question his words, his message. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And a little humility, Zacharias, would have been a good thing for you to apply. Now consider Gideon's question and accusation against Jesus that is talking to him. And I marvel at the patience of Jesus with Gideon. Verse 14, go Gideon in the strength of yours and you will save Israel. And here's the clincher. The reason you will save Israel, Gideon, is because I have sent you. Jesus has sent Gideon on a mission to defeat uh, the Midianites and he will be victorious. Now, I've been on many missions in my life. Some have been my own ambition, and some have been of the Lord. The missions of the Lord are victorious, not because of us, but because of God. 
our concerns, my concerns are, has God sent me to do this? Don't look at circumstance. Gideon, uh, look to God. Don't be looking at the other men, and God will take him through a series of things here. But Gideon's not alone when called of God. Remember what Moses said when God appeared to him and sent him down to Egypt? I can't talk good, God. Okay, I'll give you Aaron. <laughs> How about Jeremiah? I'm too young. Nobody will listen to me. Now Gideon has his excuse. He proclaims, my clan, my tribe is the weakest in Manasseh. We're a weak tribe, and I'm the weakest man in the tribe. Verse 16. Surely I will be with you. Surely you will defeat the Midianites as if they were one man. Jesus is saying to Gideon, you're going to defeat them and they're going to fall like they were just a single person. Then Gideon says, okay, Lord, since I found favor in your sight, show me a sign. Let me know that it's you, God, that is talking to me. Gideon wants to know, hey, is this the Lord or am I just having some wild dream, some uh, self-induced imagination going on here? But Gideon says, let me prepare an offering. So off he goes to prepare it. And he asks Jesus, hang around till I kill a lamb, cook the lamb, offer it, and so forth. And Jesus does. Jesus hangs in there. As Gideon goes off to prepare the meal, Jesus is there, and it's a large meal, and it took probably several hours to prepare. And Gideon returns, and Jesus is still there. And he tells Gideon, take the meat, take the unleavened bread, place them on a rock, and pour the broth on top of them. And then the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the end of his staff and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the bread. And this was a dramatic sign to Gideon. And then the Lord departs from Gideon's sight. Literally, Jesus becomes invisible then. But he still talks to Gideon. Jesus moved into a dimension of the unseen. And then it dawns on Gideon that he has seen God face to face. And now he's afraid for his life. Why? Because in Exodus 33:20, Moses desired to see the face of God. And he's told by God, no man shall see my face and live. And all of Israel, even to this day, regards seeing God face to faith is basically a death sentence. But Gideon, he's realized, I'm in trouble. I'm about to die. For I've seen the Lord face to face. I've talked with him. I have questioned him. 
And now there's only one thing that awaits me, and that is death. And then in verse 30, uh, 23, rather, Jesus comes to Gideon, and he calms his fears, and he says, Peace to you, Gideon. You're not going to die. So Gideon builds an altar, and he calls it Lord Shalom, or God is peace. And then Gideon is given a command. He's given a task to do. And the Lord tells him, take your father's bull of seven years, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image or the totem pole that stands beside it. Have you ever seen totem poles? <laughs> They're usually configurations of gruesome-looking warrior-type people on a totem pole. They're not cute little panda bears or ponies or something. They're usually very fearful-looking warrior-type images. And Gideon is to use this totem pole for fire to burn a sacrifice, his dad's bull, unto the Lord. And Gideon takes with him ten men and he tears down this altar of worship that has been erected to Baal, and he does so at night. And the reason he does it at night is because he's basically afraid. This was not some little puny altar or edifice unto Baal. It's well constructed, and it probably took Gideon and his ten men all night to destroy it. Next morning, the men of the city, Gideon's father's fellow worshipers of Baal, inquire, who has torn down this altar of Baal? And they realize that it's Joash's son who is Gideon. And they demand that Gideon be killed. And then Gideon's father, Joash, he asks a pertinent question. A question that no doubt had crossed his mind. My friends, he says to his fellow worshipers, would you plead for Bell? Or would you worship Bell? Will you try to save the one you worship? And Joash has a moment of sanity. Let the man who pleads for Bell be put to death. If Bel, whom you worship, is God, let him plead for himself or defend for himself. And then Gideon is given a name, and he's called Jerubabel, meaning let Bel plead for himself. Bel's altar has been destroyed, so why is Bel the God you worship why is he not defending himself if he is God? And that's a good question. This tearing down of Baal's altar brings revival to Israel. Gideon goes back, he blows the ram horn, he trumpets, and thousands of Israelites have gathered to Gideon. They're now encouraged to fight against the Midianites. 
But let me read uh, uh, five verses here, 36 through 40. So Gideon said to the Lord, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry all around the ground, then I shall know that you have you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with this fleece. Let it be dry uh, only on the fleece, but all the ground around it, let it be wet. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew all around on the ground. Remember, Gideon asked the angel of the Lord for a sign. The first sign, tell me who you are if you are God. And Jesus touched Gideon's sacrifice of meat and unleavened bread with the end of his staff. Fire rises from the rock and consumes the meat and the bread. It was usually a practice. You offered a sacrifice to God and you took the leftovers home uh, to enjoy at your own meal. There was no to-go box for Gideon. All the sacrifices consumed and Jesus departs out of Gideon's sight physically and he becomes invisible but he still speaks to Gideon. But Gideon, he still got questions and he says, God, will you save Israel by my hand? Are you sure I'm the one? You, do you want to use me? And Gideon wants confirmation. God's given him a sign, but Gideon still needs more to be convinced that God is with him. And I've heard sermons about this, sermons that condemn Gideon for doubting God's word and wanting confirmation. A peculiar thing happens here. God confirms the fleece. God doesn't have any problem with that. Gideon lays out the sheepskin, the fleece of the lamb's wool on the threshing floor. And if God, you're gonna, if you're gonna save Israel and use me, then have the fleece wet but all around it, dry ground. And it was so. The next morning, Gideon squeezes out a bowl of water and the fleece uh, uh, is wet and the floor is dry. Gideon is so impressed, but he's not totally convinced. <laughs> okay, God, reverse it. Make the floor wet, the fleece dry. And God does that. Once a person, any of us, receive God's word or direction, many times we will have questions. God knows us. He knows our makeup. 
He knows that we have questions. And I, I don't think it bothers God a whole lot for us to ask for confirmation to his will, to his commands. But when you lay out a fleece, you've got to be careful. You've got to be honest. You've got to be forthright. And it's not truly a fleece before God if you benefit from it. Let me try to explain. Lord, if you want me to buy that bass boat, have it go on sale after summer. Most bass boats do go on sale after summer. Lord, if you want me to buy that expensive dress, let Macy's mark it down 25%. They have sales. These are not honest fleeces because we are the ones that benefit from them. When we begin to look for a church building, uh, this was probably about 11 years ago, I was in negotiations with the guy that we were renting from, Frank, he's a good guy, on a building that we were renting down on the south on the parkway. My wife, some of you know her as Lori. She finds a real estate ad in paper back when you got a Sunday paper of a church up in Madison. She said, we should go look at it. I promptly tell Lori, I'm working with Frank right now. We're in the middle of negotiations. You know, we're just trying to work out some of the details. We will probably buy the building we're in. But the property that we were renting had an easement issue. The parking lot was shared by a construction company that was behind the building, and the construction company would use the parking lot as their driveway, and heavy equipment would go in and out, and it was really kind of an unsafe deal to have your kids or your families out there in the parking lot with this heavy equipment going through. So I'm trying to work this out with Frank, and we can't seem to resolve the easement issue. So Lori talks me into looking at this property out in Madison on a dead-end street off Wall Triana. And when I first saw the property, my thoughts were, we can't afford that. <laughs> but I sure liked what it looked like. So the next week, I'm up in Madison, and I, don't, I didn't live up this way, so I just happened to be up in this area. And I prayed one of those prayers that you go, that sure doesn't make sense. But I said to the Lord, Lord, if you want us to pursue that property, when I drive by there and look at it, I want you to have three red cars in the parking lot and no other cars. You gotta be specific when you're laying out a fleece. And to my amazement, I drive up here, pull into the parking lot, and there's three red cars in the parking lot. And I go, yo. <laughs> and 
So I'm trying to be faithful now to my prayer to God. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to pursue it. And you'll have to open doors, but I'm going after it. Now, we wanted to put an offer in on this place. They would not even take our offer. They said, you have to have a bank letter saying they will lend you excuse me, money before we will even accept your offer. <laughs> so we managed to get a bank letter. But all along, you begin to see the hand of God working. God had ended up giving us favor. We got a loan. And this year, we're going to be able to pay off our mortgage. Five years ahead of schedule. Amen. And all I was seeking from God was, do I pursue the property? You just want me to go for it, Lord. And the Lord answered with three red cars. So if you need confirmation from God about his leading, his directing your life, I think a fleece is acceptable if you're honest with it. Gideon, I think, was being honest. Make the fleece wet, make it dry. Gideon got his answer. And I've taught against fleeces before in the past, but God spoke to me through a fleece. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, thank you for being so patient with us. Lord, I know sometimes we're presumptuous. I know sometimes we, we're just out of line. But thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you, Lord, for answering Gideon by making the fleece wet and then the ground wet. You answered him. You were patient with him. You worked with him where he was. And you worked with us where we are, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, once we receive your confirmation, once we receive that go-ahead, let us go with our whole heart. Let us be faithful to you in all that we do, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your patience to us. Continue to bless us, Lord, we pray. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.